0: just a bit outside. There's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos. It will be a home run. Oh, my That's God. Deep to right field. Way up there. Oh, my. And look who's coming up. You talk about a roll of the dice. This is it. Down Go, goes Anderson.
1: Here's the payoff pitch. Hello, and welcome to Payoff Pitch, the Action Network's baseball betting podcast presented by BetMGM. I'm Sean Zarillo, joined today by Anthony DeBundo and BJ Cunningham to break down the 2023 Major League Baseball playoffs for wildcard series in action on Tuesday. All four teams or all eight teams will play game twos on Wednesday and then potential deciding game threes on Thursday before we head into the digital series, the championship series, and then eventually the world series and we're going to talk about potential value teams in both leagues the american league and national league independent markets in the world series futures markets potentially some world series exact matchup bets but first we're going to start talking about those four wild card matchups and we're going to begin in the american league and talk about the texas rangers and the tampa bay rays i projected the raise at 61 percent in the series about minus 160 in the implied market tampa bay had the worst bullpen or I believe the 25th bullpen unexpected fit in the first half of the season number one in the second half of the season made a lot of moves uh got better form from guys but traded for guys like Robert Stephenson just made a lot of modifications to their bullpen and the Rays even though they had that offensive outburst at the beginning of the year eventually trailed off offensively obviously the Wander Franco situation but their bullpen their pitching which was struggling at the beginning of the year got much better so I still think the Rays are an extremely dangerous team. Texas Rangers, when you sort of sketch out their pitching staff as they would get into the divisional series, the championship series, it does get a little bit sketchier in the back end of that rotation. They still have not announced the game one starter for the wild card matchup, assuming it's going to be Jordan Montgomery. But after Montgomery, it thins out pretty quickly. And that Max Scherzer injury was ultimately huge. But Nathan Eovaldi has not been very healthy in the second half. Dane Dunning's metrics and numbers have been sketchy for the entire season. So as I said... Make the raise about 61% in this matchup. There is no value for me in terms of a series bet, but BJ or Anthony, BJ, I'm going to start with you first. Do you see any math that says there's a justifiable side here? And is there any team that you like in this matchup?
2: Not really. I think what well, you have, 61% is right around where it probably should be. Uh, like you mentioned with the Rangers, the problem is they're pitching. Like after Montgomery with Evaldi and Haney, which will probably be Haney, Gets pretty dicey when you go up against what the Rays have, especially like you mentioned with the Rays bullpen, how good it's been. Texas, one of the, I believe, uh, before we got here, nine of the 11 teams that came into the the playoffs are in the top, essentially for, for XFIP, for bullpen or pitching plus. The Rangers and Diamondbacks are the two teams outside of that, uh, of top 11. So that's kind of concerning. Um, as we know, bullpens usually rule all in the playoffs. So uh, no, this is a, a pretty... Easy pass for me. Um, We'll be potentially looking uh, at game one, maybe a first five, trying to fade class now a little
1: bit. But other than that, it's uh, it's a pass for me. Rays actually have the better WRC Plus on the season offensively. Uh, Texas, the better defensive team, I would actually say but they do have the worst pitching of any team remaining in the field. And the Rays actually have the best pitching of any team remaining in the field. So probably why I was able to project the biggest gap in that series as I was for any of the wildcard matchups, Anthony, any bets for you from a pre-series perspective for Rangers and Rays?
3: Yeah, no, nothing for me. Uh, you know, Tyler Glass now is a very interesting case uh, because if you look at his numbers, he struggled immediately after coming back from, from the injury uh, and, and was not quite as dominant maybe in June, but since, you know, August, since the second half of the season started here, he has 66 strikeouts and 51 innings with just 15 walks, 2.57 FIP, uh, and a 216 batting average allowed. So, you know, they're not really he's, – he's given up some very inopportune homers, like a lot of like three-run back-breaking homers uh, where, you know, he hasn't allowed a ton of base runners but has gotten punished and unlucky. Overall, though, like the numbers on him, 316 slugging allowed – uh, like it's been really dominant and, you know, I, I like this Texas lineup against lefties more than I do against righties. They're not going to really see many lefties out of this, uh, out of this raised team either. Like Poche and the bullpen will probably face Seeger a couple times, but outside of, uh, outside of that, like, they're just going to throw a lot of righties and a lot of different looks. Uh, and that's the thing about this raised bullpen is that they can do so many different things and cash is so uh, adept at managing it. That, you know, they only may need five, six innings out of glass now, and they're going to, you know, have Fairbanks and, and Stevenson to hold down the back end. So, and they can get multiple innings out of Fairbanks. I don't know where the Rangers go to try to protect leads right now. You mentioned it, BJ, uh, the, the stuff on their bullpen is, is pretty much league average, and it has been all season, which, which league average stuff plus is below average for a bullpen because bullpens tend to have better stuff. Uh, you know, Araldus Chapman has been very inconsistent with his command. And Will Smith has fallen off a cliff. Like, where are the Rangers getting these outs? Even if they get a good start from Montgomery, there's a lot of question marks. And so Montgomery, you know, he's he's well adept to pitch to this defense. Like you said, he's had a great season. But uh, I think this is, you know, Tampa or nothing. I, I, I'd lay the juice with Tampa before I took Texas uh, here. I think the Rangers really kind of screwed themselves not getting that by uh, because now they have – I mean, a matchup with, like, by the numbers, the best team in the American League this season, if you just go by, like, run differential. So it's going to be very hard, I think, for Texas here, given all the the structural disadvantages they have uh, going on the road here.
1: Yeah, uh, Chapman a bit erratic in September, too, and the last time we saw him, he was blowing the game to the Seattle Mariners, a game that Texas ultimately needed if they were going to win the AOS, and get that by. So uh, a role to Chapman, very shaky in big spots. I think, obviously, the arm talent is there, but... When the pressure's on, that guy's tended to melt down of late in recent years. So yes, not a trustworthy bullpen and my worst projected pitching staff in the playoffs for Texas, but a fun matchup between the Rays and Rangers, because I think you have the number one pitching staff basically against the number one offense or one of the best offenses remaining, you know, in the American League. Certainly don't forget about the Braves.
3: We got to, we got to talk about Nate Uvalde. I mean, he's like not the same pitcher either. And like a pure fade and somebody that I plan to bet against in game two, the minute the line opens against uh, Zach Eflin, assuming that's the matchup. I mean, he's going to be on a super short leash. So, you know, they're going to have to stretch their bullpen in game two as well. That's going to make it even harder behind, you know, what looks like Andrew Heaney in game three potentially could have guys pitching, you know, three games in three days uh, and they don't have enough depth as is, whereas Tampa, you know, has, has that depth. So I think that you know, wouldn't you know, Haney being a bit of a black box here, he hasn't thrown more than five innings, uh, you know, since coming back from the injury in September. And he had one good outing overall, and that was it. So, you know, he's been a complete shell of himself in the last month. And, you know, that at this point in the season is a huge liability. Also, the Rays, I mean, they're going to be leaning in on Camonero. I mean, I think he's going to bat in the top half of the lineup.
1: I have him second. Yep.
3: Yeah. And so, yeah, you've all leave the numbers nine, three ERA. Seven, five FIP in the month of September. Yeah. And
1: uh, you know, that that game two matchup, that's where I project the biggest edge for the Rays in the series. I would make them a bigger favorite, assuming Ethel and Ivaldi game two, than I would for even Glasnow and Montgomery in game one. So shows you the level to which I'm projecting Nathan Ivaldi right now. Let's move on now to the series between the Jays and the Twins. Uh, this is a very interesting series, a lot of balance between these two teams. I do have preseason. Futures or midseason futures, I should say, on Toronto. I've never really loved this team, but the math always has, particularly Fangraphs math. Now, you know, I don't project Toronto as a value team from a playoff perspective. We'll get into that later. But in terms of how I project the series price out, I actually put the Twins at fifty-eight percent. I project Pablo Lopez as a better pitcher than Kevin gallisman I think that may surprise some people. I haven't bet on the Twins yet for Game One but I did make their series line closer to minus 140. So if you could get about minus 130 or better on Minnesota to win this series, that is the one series bet that I like right now before the wild card round. Uh, You know, I just think the twins have better pitching. And I think the really interesting aspect here is the twins smash righties. They struggle against the lefties. If it comes down to a game three, I'm assuming Gaussman and Barrios games one and two for Toronto. If it comes down to a game three, Do they throw Hunjin Ryu over Chris Bassett? I think that would be the right move for Toronto. I think that would increase their potential win probability against the team who has struggled more against lefties than righties. Just curious if Toronto ultimately pulls the right move if it comes down to it. Uh, BJ, curious where you have Minnesota projected out. I know you mentioned before the pod that Fangraphs (laughs) actually has Toronto closer to 60%, which does not make sense to either of us. No. Considering all three games will be in Minnesota. So, Where'd you put this line, and did you bet the Twins?
2: Yeah, I had it at a little over fifty-five percent, so it's right around the minus one twenty-five range. So I think that, like you said, minus one ten is a good price point or a good cutoff. Would probably, you know, I could get up to about minus one fifteen as a as a cutoff as well. But really, you know, coming into the playoffs, we obviously want to back teams that are that are hot. You know, both pitching and offensively. Toronto hasn't been hitting the ball well as of late. Only 315 weighted on base average over the last 30 days. That's 19th in Major League Baseball. Twins third best weighted on base average in baseball over the last 30 days. So hitting the ball very well coming in. And if you look at the starting pitching matchups, you know, you'd, I would give Pablo Lopez an edge over Kevin Gausman coming into this matchup in game one. If, you know, Pablo Lopez is a very interesting case because if you look at stuff plus, he's around league average, but pitching plus, he's one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball. And his expected metrics have been very, very good this season, under a three expected ERA. While Gaussman is starting to kind of trail off. Like his stuff plus numbers have gone down pretty significantly over the last 30 days. So it's a good matchup here for the Twins in Game 1. You look at Game 2, I would give the edge to Sonny Gray over Jose Barrios, who is a negative regression candidate. And then, yeah, like you said in Game 3, if it gets there, it's a very interesting case of what does – What does Toronto actually do? Do they actually throw a lefty, or do they throw a bassett? Which the Twins looks like they'll throw Joe Ryan, who again has been has been is another positive regression candidate. Has pitched better in the month of September. So, and then obviously look at these bullpens. You know, the the Blue Jays are a big stuff plus bullpen, but the Twins also have a very solid bullpen. So, I don't think there's really a a huge edge. Like I'm, I'm guessing what Fangraphs projection is. It's giving Toronto a huge edge offensively over Minnesota. That would be my guess. Is what it is but if you look at what these teams have done over the last 30 days there's really not a, a big gap
1: so yeah minnesota minus 115 plus yeah like you said they'll be at home for all three games so uh yeah, yeah i don't i don't see the offensive gap and anthony i'm assuming you don't either because you have bet the twins both for the series and for game 1
3: yep took some uh, twins minus 110 game 1 i think that's a little bit short uh look kevin gausman uh, somebody I love, and you know, we came up a little short on our our strikeout total for the season, but he has not been good in his two outings against the Twins. And I, I do wonder, as somebody who has a, you know a, a pretty relatively mild arsenal, if the uh, Twins had something on Gasman, because if you go back and watch and pull up the data, especially from the start in Minnesota, they did not whiff at his splitter like at all. And it's one of the best pitchers in baseball. So how, how do they do that? Um, I'm not going to, you know, put my tinfoil hat on here, but in two starts against the twins, uh, the first one in Minnesota, uh, you know, he was, he, excuse me, the the, the, yes, the one in Minnesota, he gave up, uh, he had five walks and four hits in five innings. And we gave up one run because he got away with it, but it was not particularly impressive. And then the start uh, in Toronto, he wasn't good either. 4.2 innings, six runs, seven hits, four walks. So You know, you look at the rest of his numbers for the whole season, there was not a single outing other than those where he was walking guys like he did. And a lot of it was, he was throwing that splitter that usually gets chases and whiffs and it just wasn't getting them. So uh, whatever that is, you know, Minnesota might have something on Kevin Uh, either way, you know, just looking at season long stuff, like you said, Sean, like Lopez has been, you know, a top five pitcher in the American league. Gausman's right up there with him, but I like this twins bullpen more now with how they're you know shaping up? The fewer big innings we get from Emilio Pagán, the better, uh, as Sean and I have have suffered through that for the year over the years. But Chris Paddock coming back as a potential like two inning fireman to fill fill the void, Kenta Maeda to potentially you know bridge the gap for a couple innings, throwing a bunch of of junk uh, and breaking balls to keep these hitters off balance. Like they have a lot more versatility in their bullpen and lineup wise. I mean the Twins are, have a deep roster here. Royce Lewis looks like he's going to be back. Carlos Correa is going to be back. So, you know, I think Lewis is going to DH, it looks like. Polanco will play third. Julian at second. Like, they certainly have their strikeout problems, and they struck out at an extremely high rate this season, and that's a red flag going into the playoffs. But the the young guys are at least bringing some contact skills into this team, uh, and I think that's, you know, what makes this lineup have more upside than Toronto. I mean, Toronto's lineup, like, the way Guerrero Jr. has been hitting this season without his power – I, you know, I kind of think it's an overrated lineup. So I'm, I'm going with the twins to win the series and twins to win game one as well. Separate bets on those. Uh, it's my favorite side of the, of the first round.
1: I believe Royce Lewis uh, hurt for at least the wild card round, right? And that guy's been their best player essentially. I read, this year.
3: I read yesterday he was going to potentially be back in a DH role.
1: Yeah. And, 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 that's like a huge swing in terms of whether he's in or out. I project him out right now and I still show value on the twins. And that shows you the level to which, you know, I, I like Minnesota, both from the series perspective, maybe even from a futures perspective as well, we can get into that in a little bit. But Anthony did tease it: this Minnesota bullpen is probably underrated come playoff time. Once you consolidate, especially a three-game series, you move Bailey over to the bullpen, but you've got Louis Varland throwing 100, Yohan Rom throwing 100, Brock Stewart throwing 100, Chris Paddock throwing 100. There's some electricity in that Twins bullpen, so do not overlook this Central Division team. The Central Divisions have struggled in the playoffs. In recent years in both leagues, I think this Twins team is pretty formidable, though. They have a one through nine lineup. You know, if you get Michael A. Taylor out of there, they can hit one through nine. Uh, They have a pretty deep bullpen, and they actually may have the deepest starting pitching of any team remaining in the American League. So Minnesota Twins, an interesting team, a team I like that Anthony likes in the wild card round, and I'll like even more if Royce Lewis is in there. Just want to remind you the payoff pitch presented by the bet MGM use bonus code action when signing up to get $1,500 paid back in bonus bets. If your first bet loses for new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming terms and conditions apply must be 21 or older gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now we're going to turn our attention to the National League and the matchups in the wild card round. We're going to start with the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Milwaukee Brewers. And the Diamondbacks, a team on paper, you look at WRC Plus, the offensive stuff. You look at XFIP, you know, their pitching stats, and you go, how did this team make it in? They essentially rank ninth or, uh, sorry, 11th out of the 12 teams in both underlying offensive stats, underlying pitching stats but they were the only team to finish in the top six, the only team to finish in the top 10 in both defensive value and base running value. I bet the Diamondbacks to make the playoffs in the first week of the regular season, I believe after three or four games, and my note was speed and defense electric factory, and we cashed that plus 425 ticket, but that's how they made it to the bowl, or to the, the playoffs, speed and defense. This team was below average offensively, below average with their pitching, I actually don't mind Zach Allen and Brandon Fott as your one-two essentially in the playoffs. Merrill Kelly, a guy I'm a little bit lower on. But I think the Diamondbacks, you know, just looking at the base stuff, you would underrate them. Looking at the run differential, minus 15, second worst in the field aside for the Marlins, you may overlook the Arizona Diamondbacks. But if they face a team that cannot throw, you know, the ball from the outfield or throw the ball from behind the plate, they're going to be very annoying to play against if you cannot hold the runners. So the Arizona Diamondbacks, I think in the right matchup are going to be very dangerous. I don't know if facing a team like the Brewers who strike a ton of people out and have probably the best top three starting pitching in all of the playoffs are the right team for them to play. So curious to hear how you guys break this one down. I made Milwaukee about 63%. In this matchup, I would make them about 55% favorites or higher in every game. Brandon Fock going to start game one for Arizona. I would assume it'll be Gallon in game two uh, after having to pitch near the end of the year to get Arizona to the playoffs. But BJ, do you have Arizona uh, higher or lower than 37% in this series?
2: Uh, A little bit lower. So I'm at the Brewers at 64.3%. So it's, it's pretty much right on with where the market is. It's, it's like you mentioned, it's a very difficult matchup here for Arizona who basically just used base running and defense to get here to the playoffs, but yeah, below average in offensive metrics, even the pitching coming into this, you know, the Brewers are going to throw out there Corbin Burns, who's been number one in stuff plus over the last 30 days. Brandon Woodruff, who came back from injury and has round a three, five X fib since he returned. And then Freddie Peralta, who's obviously having great metrics as well. That's a really, really difficult pitching rotation to go against. And the Brewers are also one of the best defensive teams in baseball. 66 defensive runs saved this season. That's second most in baseball behind only the blue Jays. So it's a very, very difficult spot here for the Dimebacks if they're not able to hit the ball well against these pitchers. So Brewers haven't been a great offensive team this year. Um, so that's been like their one downfall, but yeah, pitching and bullpen has been outstanding for the Brewers and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm potentially looking at some Brewers futures right now. Uh, we'll see if I get there, but, um, yeah, I think it's, it's the Brewers should win this series pretty handily. I
1: think Brewers second in bullpen expected FIP over the second half of the season 3.8. So in addition to those top notch starters, they also have a good bullpen coming in behind them. Always, always also good at, you know, developing relievers. The Brewers seem to do it every year, add one or two guys to the mix. Anthony, anything for you on Milwaukee and Arizona? Arizona team was one of your favorite win total overs coming into the year. Uh, and we finally got our snakes to the playoffs.
3: Yeah, it feels like uh, we've, we we made up a lot of money lost betting on the snakes this year over past years, but I think the the one way to look to play this series uh, is you can you know try to play uh, exact matchup and you can bet Milwaukee to win Game One and lose the series at plus eight fifty. I really don't really see the path for the Diamondbacks to win this because uh, I am also down on Zach Allen relative to the market, uh, and I have been for the most of the second half of the season. I think that he came in had you know career best command in the first half and and had really cut down the walks and the hit by pitches. And we've seen his barrel rate spike and, and his walk rate, you know, tick back up toward kind of his career averages in the second half. And he hasn't been as good. Uh, and so that is a concern going up against, you know, this Brewers team, which which is patient too. And that's the other thing, you know, Fod and Gallon, if you were to poke holes kind of like where could things go wrong? Uh, Fod has given up inopportune homers, which have hurt him, but he's also walked guys in front of those homers. And so in his playoff debut on Tuesday, there are some concerns there. I thought we'd get a better number. Then we ended up getting on FOD. I was hoping for more than than just the plus one forty five, plus one fifty that's out there to bet them. Uh, And then you know if, but but again, if you were to draw a path for Arizona, it does feel like okay. Brewers win a close one in game one, but they have to use their top leverage arms, and then Arizona can go with their two best starters in games two and three and, and and try to take this series. So you know that's the way I think that this happens. Another thing, you know, I expect Contreras to DH and Caratini to catch. Caratini 56 out of 63 in caught stealing efficiency this year uh, per baseball savant. So they have not been good at controlling the running game and their top arms burned, especially if you can ever get on against him, he's not great at holding runners. Uh, And so, you know, that could be a potential factor. Uh, You mentioned with the Brewers, like the first half of the season, the Brewers bullpen wasn't as dominant, but they've gotten, uh, you know, Abner Uribe comes up Payamps has been dominant second half. Uh, They always are pitching factory. Uh, And so, you know, they also have a ton of righties, and I like this Arizona team against lefties a little bit, and they don't have them either. So I am not betting this series except for that prop, just a plus 850 long shot, uh, because I could see, you know, if Milwaukee's bats go quiet, they just go out. But in a short series, like Milwaukee is the best run prevention team in, in, in the sport. So uh, I, I do think the Brewers roll here.
1: Yeah, Anthony, uh, you know, I've definitely noticed in starts where I bet on Corbin Burns before teams who can run against them first and second, they double steal, and he just gets flustered. Like it's not even just yeah. the inability to hold runners. He actually unravels in terms of his pitching. He loses his command because he he gets like flustered by the base runners. So yeah, I could absolutely see Arizona getting to him. Uh, I think the catcher stats he brought up are very interesting. See so curious to see who Milwaukee puts behind the plate, but Contreras isn't good either for if Arizona it's... just like tortures Milwaukee in the base pass and manufactures runs that way.
3: Yeah, Contreras uh, also is below average. He's just not, I mean, he's not as bad as Caratini in terms of just like total accumulation. A lot of that is because he has played less catcher. But yeah, either way, I'd imagine Contreras DH is because I don't think they have a natural DH. So yeah. uh, I would expect Caratini behind the plate. But again, he's a good framer, but he is not a good at controlling the running game. So maybe look at some stolen base props, something maybe. Uh, we'll have to see if as those markets populate. We'll talk about that maybe tomorrow.
1: One other note to the, the twins uh, factor that you mentioned before with Gaussman and the Splitter. Twins on the season, 27th in run value against splitters. So if they do have something on Gaussman, it is specific to <laughs> Gaussman. It is not specific to Splitters. Let's close out with the final wild card series, the heftiest favorite that I make in any of these wild card series, and that would be the Philadelphia Phillies, the defending NL champions. I make them 67% here against the Marlins. No Sandy Alcantara. The Marlins coming in here. Not only, you know, and with pitching stats that are okay, but below where you would expect them to be a below average offense. They also rank 29th in both defensive value and base running value this season. So they're the worst defensive team and the worst base running team in the playoffs, in addition to having a below average offense. Now they do have in a short series, the potential to upset somebody because they added some pop to their lineup. Jake Berger, Jorge Soler. Jazz can hit the ball too. If these guys just get hot, they hit five homers in three games. They could absolutely steal a series from anybody. But I think the Phillies are a much more formidable team. And I would give them pretty substantial pitching edge in every game of this series. Just this Marlins rotation, the depth that you saw coming into the year, the upside that they had kind of fell apart. Sandy injury, Yuri Perez injury. It's just not nearly as scary of a team as it could have been. But basically, as I said, I make the Phillies about two thirds of the time. To win this series, so 67% minus 203. I would bet that up about minus 185, minus 190. Uh, Phillies were a team I bet at 20 to 1, who in the National League before last playoff said 40 to 1 was fine for World Series, gave out 40 to 1 before the year. They might be a value team for me come playoffs this time around. But in terms of their first round matchup, I think the line is probably where it should be. I saw about minus 200 around the market. BJ, are you higher or lower than 67% of the Phillies?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm also right around minus 200. Uh, kind of similar to the Diamondbacks Brewers series. I don't really see a path here for the Marlins to uh, win this series. Uh, I saw a stat the other day: that the Marlins were 33 and 13 in one-run games this season, um, which just kind of shows you like how they got here. On the flip side of that, the Padres were eight and 23. If we want to put the knife in the heart a little bit uh, deeper, but um, yeah, the the pitching matchups favor the Phillies here in all categories. They have a better bullpen uh you know the marlins over the second half of the season been around league average in terms of xfip uh philly's offense uh, again better than the marlins so
1: i just really don't see a path here for the marlins but projected right around the market so uh i am passing yeah the marlins my lowest projected uh pennant winner in either league lowest projected world series probability fan graphs a little bit higher on the marlins than I am. Yeah, they're around uh, like fifty. Yeah, I, I don't really see a path. Anthony, anything for you on the on Miami and uh, Philly? Your Phillies?
3: I don't really trust the contact skills in this lineup to take advantage of of what they would need to do to beat Philly. Like I think this, if you want to be an upset team in this situation, yes, power can do it. Like you hit a couple of timely homers, but without a rise, which I'm I'm assuming he's going to be out. Yeah. Like they I'm just kidding. don't. They just strike out a shit ton. Uh, like Jesus Sanchez, Brian De La Cruz. Jazz Chisholm, even Jorge Soler, Jake Berger. Like, it's just like all or nothing here. And, you know, Zach Wheeler, I know last time I, I praised Wheeler for his home run suppression. He gave up three homers to the Braves in five innings. But over the course of his career, that's been like why he's been a top pitcher is that he keeps the ball in the ballpark. Uh, you know, weather conditions look good Tuesday night in Philly for for, for the um, you know, no, no real wind in this game. Um, Nola certainly has had his home run problem. That is what the series hinges on for me, because the Marlins, uh, in a short series, starting Edward Cabrera in a game three, they have to beat Nola. That's I think that's their only chance here. Nola this year has been super up and down, giving up more homers than ever, more hard hit rate, strikeout rate is down. He has introduced more of the changeup in his last two outings and you know he's hoping that that is what you know helps him out here because he's really only had the fastball and the, and the curveball going this year and it's, it's hurt him the changeup could be the key he, he had two back-to-back very good starts against the braves and the pirates to end the year so that is the thing that will decide how good the phillies are and how much of a chance they have of beating not just the marlins but maybe even the braves as we get further into this also the bullpen is really really deep if you look at stuff plus over the course of the season Bullpens number one is Houston. If you think about it, Abreu, Montero, uh, you know all of the the depth that they have uh, with with Presley and and and, uh, and Stanek, Narris The Phillies are are close to that. They're number two in stuff plus amongst the bullpen alone. And if you think about it, like will they throw enough strikes? I don't know. That could be a problem in a series against say the Brewers or the Dodgers, who are very patient, who will take their walks, who will wait out the balls from this Phillies lineup. The Marlins are really not a lineup that's that patient either. So I, I don't think this is a great matchup. I know the, the Marlins actually won the season series, but they won almost every game by one run. Uh, and they they do not walk much at all. So I think there are some concerns for, uh, for the fish here in terms of trying to get offense across the Phillies. Right now, uh, went into the playoffs last year with two and a half reliable relievers. This year they have like five, uh, I think. Yeah. So that's the biggest difference between this year and, and last year. They can take Nola out early. Um, they can use Suarez and then, you know, piggyback him with uh, whether it's Michael Lorenzen or uh, if they want to go uh, to, you know, they, they have like five or six guys that can throw one to two innings, whether it's Matt Strom, uh, you know, and, and they've gotten decent production from Soto against the lefties. So he can be a factor against some of the big left handed bats in the middle, whether it's Chisholm and, and Sanchez. So, again, like I want to find an underdog where I'm like, yes, this is the team that can do it, but the Marlins don't. They're not better than the Phillies at anything, even defense, which is where the Phillies might be more vulnerable. But even now the Phillies, I don't expect them to play Brandon Marsh, but they're going to probably play potentially Christian pass or Weston Wilson in left field, plus defender, elite defense in center field, good middle infield defense. Like the Phillies being a really bad defensive team is kind of just not that true anymore.
1: No, I I completely agree. I mean, they, they have alignments where they could make themselves better defensively, but I think Rojas, you know, the, the breakout he had was, such a key to their their season and their transformation as a team but the phillies just have multiple ways to win and it's it's not just the all or nothing lineup and needing Willer and Nola to win the two starts that they each throw in the series now they have a little bit more pitching depth their lineup is a little bit deeper is is there any chance that reese coskins is on the bench for the playoffs anthony
3: uh if they made the world series okay maybe but that doesn't seem like that's gonna happen yeah unfortunately and-
1: so, he, you know, can't factor in Reese into any of the equation where, you know, the Braves coming into the playoffs a couple of years ago, there was a chance Cunha and Albies were going to come back. Don't forget, by the way, the Braves won the World Series without Cunha and Albies in that lineup. So this Braves team is terrifying. But in terms of the Phillies and this Marlins matchup, the one thing I want to note is the Marlins splits offensively. 103 WRC plus against lefties, 92 against righties. And if it comes down to a game three, if it comes down to the Phillies using Matt Strom and Soto, and Alvarado I actually think the Marlins are pretty effective against left-handed pitching so if you get to that game three scenario and the Phillies are staring down at using Christopher Sanchez or Ranger Suarez and saying crap should we maybe consider using Taiwan Walker based on the splits it's just not a good scenario for them to be in so if the Marlins can steal one of these first two games it's going to get potentially scary for the Phillies in game three but I do think the Phillies not only are the best team in the wild card round I actually think the Phillies are the third best team in Major League Baseball right now. And that may surprise some people too. But if I was just to rank these teams out in terms of a power ranking, I would probably go Braves one, Dodgers two, Phillies three, and Astros and Orioles basically tying and vying for fourth and fifth. But I do think the three best teams are in the National League. Let's take a look at some potential NL pennant futures. The two teams who I show value on as of right now The Dodgers and the Phillies. I'd be going against the Braves. I do have preseason futures on the Braves. I kind of have to figure out how hard I'm willing to go against it if if I just want to sort of bet Philly series prices, assuming that they make it to the second round, hope that the Phillies get upset in the first round, and then I never have to touch it. So I'm still deciding how I want to go about playing the potential National League field, considering my Braves position. But essentially, I make the Dodgers plus 203. I make the Phillies plus 660. Fangrass would make them about plus 222 and plus 670 respectively. So both my projection, Fangraphs projection actually think there's a slight edge compared to the numbers that are out there plus 225 on the Dodgers, plus 675 on the Phillies to win the National League and then just to take it a step further for the World Series as well. The Dodgers uh plus 500, I projected that closer to about plus 318 and the fangraphs Pacota composite projection has that team closer to plus 400 so in the national league i think the dodgers are the value bet right now deciding whether i want to play the dodgers at you know a short place like five to one to win the world series or whether i just want to ride it out and as i said at play series prices against the braves should it come down to it so bj any value bets you see coming out of the national league either from a pennant or a world series perspective
2: the only thing I potentially would bet would be the Brewers at nine to one to win the NL um, seems a little long given the pitching and bullpen that they have. Like we already mentioned that the front three that they can put out their second best ex over the second half of the season in the bullpen, obviously their offense isn't great. You look at the Dodgers with Urias being on administrative leave with Uh, Tony Gonsolin now being injured. It's a pretty barren rotation, basically just going to be relying on Kershaw, Bobby Miller, and Lance Lynn. Which, you know, makes them very, very ripe for an upset, especially against this Brewers rotation. But again, the Dodgers will have significant advantages offensively over the Brewers. So you can make a case that the Brewers could, you know, if they're obviously huge favorites to beat the Diamondbacks, when they eventually go to play the Dodgers, that they will have the advantage in terms of starting pitching and in the bullpen. Um, just how much does that offensive edge for the Dodgers outweigh the Brewers? Um, and then, you know, once we get to a uh, the National League uh, Championship Series, whether they're playing the Phillies or the Braves, they will be underdogs, but you will have a good opportunity to hedge there. So I think it's a decent opportunity here for the Brewers. I'm not saying that they're like, you know, <laughs> one of these favorites to to upset the Dodgers or whatever, but I think because of the starting pitching injuries for the Dodgers and given how good the Brewers pitching staff is, they have a good, decent shot of upsetting the Dodgers and getting to a situation where you can hedge against the Phillies or the uh, the Braves. So uh, Brewers at 9-1 to one
1: for me will be my National League pennant future. The one thing BJ did not mention, which I think is a huge key for the National League playoff series, is the fact that based on the way the schedule played out, essentially the teams are going to get to throw their number one starters in games one and four and their number two starters in games two and five, presumably on full rest. They did get an extra day of rest built into those National League divisional series as opposed to the American League divisional series where they're basically going to have to go one through four and then either, or one through three, and either start their first starter on short rest or use their four starter in game four and go back to their ones in game five. So the NL field, the way the NL matchups in the divisional series are going to play out, are actually going to be a little bit different in terms of the pitching matchups because essentially the Brewers can just throw Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, Burns, Woodruff in succession against the Dodgers. So gives the Brewers a bigger chance against a team like the Dodgers. Totally get BJ's point. But I think the pitching matchups are really going to help them there. Team like the Diamondbacks as well essentially have three starting pitchers. You don't have to go deep into your rotation. So Anthony, with that in mind in the National League, with the pitching stuff in mind in the National League, Do you see value on either or should say on any of the teams in the field?
3: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the Braves offense is so good uh, and so much better than everything else in this playoffs that trying to beat them in a seven game series, is going to be really, really hard, whether it's Milwaukee, like as good as their pitching is over a course of a seven game series, you just really can't keep them down forever. And I think that their offense would overwhelm Milwaukee. The Dodgers don't even have the pitching to begin with. And so I, I truly think that the, Phillies are the only team that I would want to bet against Atlanta with in the National League, and so in and that five short game series, series too, right? Don't have to go thing. seven. Shorter game, shorter series, and <clears throat> there's just inherently more uncertainty because if the Phillies, if the Braves beat the the Phillies in the second round, if assuming that is the matchup, that probably means Max Freed came back from in, the injured list and pitched well, and if that's the case, then with Strider and Freed at the top of the of the rotation. They're going to pitch four of the potential seven in the in the NLCS. They're going to pitch four of the potential five in the NLDS. If they're pitching well, I really don't think anybody can beat the Braves in, in this, in this whole league barring, you know, baseball craziness, but Morton is out for the NLDS, which means Bryce elder is now going to start game three in Philadelphia or, or Miami. And that means that Max freed is coming off the injured list for game two. And we don't know what he's going to look like. I mean, he's coming back from this blister problem. We don't know if he can make one start and he's going to have the problem again and not be available for a potential elimination game. So I think there's inherent risk in that. And then this bullpen depth has taken a hit. You know, they have not been good uh, in the last two months. Pierce Johnson and Brad Hand and Ryze Iglesias have been very up and down. And I think that there's, you know, we've seen the Phillies play them tough all year. And, you know, even in those series that the Braves won three or four in Philly, two of the games went to extra innings, Uh, you know, they, they blew leads in two of the three in two of the three uh, games that they had leads. And then the Phillies won two out of three in Atlanta. So this has been a a pretty competitive head to head over the course of the last two seasons, even though Atlanta has been a clearly better team over the course of 162, Mm -hmm. and with Freed's uncertainty and with the Phillies, you know, I think that a scenario where the Phillies are, you know, advancing to the next round, it probably involves Aaron Nola being good. So the Phillies steal game three with Nola at home. They get one in Atlanta, and all of a sudden, the, the Braves are really up against it against the Phillies. So I do think that's the the matchup where Atlanta runs into the most prou- trouble, and which is why I'm going to be the homer that I am and bet the Phillies. Uh, you can find them as high as plus 750 to win the National League. As far as the Brewers matchup with the Dodgers, I you know, them winning in two is really important because if they do have to use Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta, they wouldn't have Freddie... Uh, anybody on regular rest for that game one in, in in LA. If they can win in two, they can use Peralta on Saturday and then have Peralta Burns, Woodruff Peralta Burns. So that is a key because their fourth starter is Wade Miley at this point. That's a little shaky. Uh, but I think that when you look at, you know, the Dodgers situation, who's their number two? There, like, who, who do you think?
1: So I, I lined it up for the Dodgers, Lynn Miller, Pepio Kershaw that's that's how I value them in terms of quality uh, and also experience. Lynn, Lynn I think they would go I think they should go Lynn one. I think they probably will go Kershaw game one. I think that'll be a mistake.
3: right and I, I think I can already hear the narrative building on Kershaw because he's clearly not healthy right now <laughs> and we're gonna all do the, we're gonna do the same narrative in the playoffs. but if he's not healthy, it literally is Lance Lynn and Bobby Miller and Ryan Pepio, two of which are yep. rookies. Pepio's never even like pitched a full season been a regular starter. at least Miller has that. Uh, so they're going to have to hit a lot because their bullpen depth behind them is also inconsistent. So I think the Dodgers are vulnerable, and thus I think if you want to play this, it's clearly Milwaukee or Philadelphia. And that yeah, and I think value. you need a, and, a
1: long and, series to beat the Braves too. Like you you need you need to get into the back end of their rotation. You need to get through Elder. You need to maybe see Elder twice, like get, get to Elder in a game seven. Uh, maybe Charlie Morton coming back. I think Charlie would be black. back. That's the thing. Yeah, but what even still, it's, like? it, Morton was a guy I was betting against all year. So the back end of the Braves rotation, beyond Strider, who underperformed all year, is an injured Max Fried or a, a Max Fried with a blister who may not be 100% or may not be able to perform at 100%. Bryce Elder, who he bet against the entire season because he overperformed, and then an injured Charlie Morton, who he bet against the entire season because he overperformed. Or an injured Kyle Wright. So the way the Braves lose the playoffs is the fact that their pitching just absolutely imploded down the stretch uh, historic offense. We've tied the regular season record for home runs, set the regular season record for slugging percentage, highest expected weighted on base average in the Statcast era. But their fourth and fifth starters, their third, fourth, and fifth starters, and arguably their two through five starters are all question marks right now. So I'm a bit sketched out by the Braves and their futures. I would agree with Anthony. If I'm going to take a shot, it's with the Phillies, and I'm going to go a step further. I think the winner of that Phillies-Braves series is your World Series champion. I think those are (laughs) two of the three best teams in the playoffs. And as we talked about with the Dodgers pitching situation, I think I prefer the Braves and the Phillies, folks. And let's talk about some potential World Series matchups in terms of value bets. I gave out, you know, two teams in the American League, two teams in the National League, the Dodgers and the Phillies, the Orioles and the Twins. Last year, I was able to find actual value based on the odds that were out there and I actually gave out actual prices we gave out Astros and Phillies to, at 40 to 1 I Believe I, my projected line was closer to like 35 to 1 on that the books have really dejuiced this market this year so I haven't given out an official bet yet the closest things that are to in range though involve those four teams that I gave out Dodgers and Orioles projected it around 9 fit plus 950 it's plus 950 out there so there's no edge in the bet. Dodgers and Twins plus 2,200 Phillies and Orioles, plus 2,400. And then Phillies versus Twins, plus 5,500. Again, those are all short of basically where I projected them. Made those about 25 to 1, 26 to 1, and then like 60 to 1, respectively. So continue to shop around. But those four iterations, those four teams are the teams that I would probably be trying to combine if I was looking for any long shot World Series matchups. Uh, BJ, not sure if you projected this market, looked into this market yet. Always a fun one to bet. Uh, it is because the lowest odds you're going to get are about <laughs> 8 to 1. So, did you place any uh any props here? Uh so I don't project this market, but you mentioned
2: with those four teams, Orioles, Phillies, 27 to 1 is is very interesting uh to me. I think that's the highest of that those that four combination that you can have. Um yeah, I like that one. So, so I do that. Too. Yeah, so Personally. that one and then uh also uh Brewers Orioles at 27 to 1 as well, um kind of in that same vein um adding the brewers into there but yeah um that
1: 27-1 to one on philly's orioles looks pretty good right now that's probably the best one that i've seen in this market yeah i i might end up poking that that of the four the the one that i was just like i kind of want to bet that was that was philly's orioles so i i think that might be the uh the podcast artificial sprinkle yeah. anthony can i get a, a co-sign on that from you as well i yes. mean we haven't talked about the orioles yet yeah so let's let's
3: do that and i, are I, we, I have are, are, how, how are we not worried about it, the orioles here i mean i am like are they not the most like overvalued one seed like ever? Yes, they are. Because if you look at what they were from a projection standpoint, at the beginning of the season, everybody in their lineup had great years and overperformed. They won a ton of close games on the back of an elite bullpen. Uh, that is not so elite anymore without Bautista. They got really good years, relatively speaking out of their starting pitching. But do we trust Kyle Gibson in the playoffs? Do we trust Dean Kremer in the playoffs? Tyler Wells is <laughs> out of the picture now. Like He's in the bullpen. And Bradish and Rodriguez, who look, we love as a podcast, they are rookies making their playoff debuts as the one and two starters here. Like, they're going to probably play Tampa in the first round. Tampa is going to have much better pitching depth in a five-game series with only two off days where they're going to have to use their fourth starter, the Orioles, in that series. They're going to have to use their third starter who I don't know who it would be. So I think if you were to draw the picture of how this went wrong for Baltimore, it's very easy to see that the Rays, with what I think is a pretty comparable to slightly worse offense, but a much better bullpen and much better starting pitching, should actually be a favorite, or uh, you know, a favorite maybe a coin flip once you f- t- take home field for Baltimore into that picture. So, uh, yeah, I'm, and then in a seven-game series, I think their problems you know kind of compound in the sense that they don't have the pitching depth that a Houston does, uh, because Houston with Brown or Keady and even Javier starting to find his form. Like those guys at the back end have a lot more depth than Baltimore does. So I think there's a lot of lean innings for Baltimore trying to get through this playoffs with their pitching situation, you know, Jack Flaherty, the, the big, the big addition kind of, kind of fizzled. So I think the Orioles are a vulnerable team here. I like that from a personal perspective as somebody who would love to drive an hour and a half to a world series game in Baltimore, but uh, I, I really don't think I'll be betting the Orioles in these playoffs.
1: The last point I want to make, and it relates to the Orioles, uh, and I, I think this determines how you view the Orioles, is how you view Grayson Rodriguez. I've been projecting Grayson Rodriguez as a top three starting pitcher in baseball for the past six weeks or so. Burns, Strider, Grayson, Bobby Miller. It's uh, I don't think Bobby's in that top four yet, but it's... youth Youth movement. You know, there's a level that Grayson hit that became elite and his numbers got absurd and he clearly found his form. And if you're projecting Grayson Rodriguez as the best pitcher in the American League playoffs, I think you can kind of justify Baltimore where they are. I have them about 13% to win the World Series, but any five-game series, any seven-game series between these American League teams with Baltimore at home, I don't really make Baltimore more than like 53 or 54%. They're all coin flips. All of these American League teams, aside from f- essentially Toronto, are like coin flips against one another based on the team who, you know, Twins having home field over uh or Astros having home field over the Twins. I only make the Astros like 55%. Uh, Astros versus Jays make the Astros like 53%. So there's really no huge advantage for any of these teams. And I think it is going to come down to the individual matchups. And if you get a five game series between the Orioles and the Rangers, the Orioles and the Rays, I basically have, and we talked about this with the schedule, the Orioles going one through four, it would be Kramer game three, probably John means in game four, but then they can piggyback Braddish and Grayson a game five. And that's an elite pairing. So Grayson for me going in game two, presumably I make him like a 60% favorite against Nathan Evaldi, 61%, 60% against Zach Eflin if they play the Rays. So that game two, the Grayson games, the game five, the game that Grayson would be pitching in. That's kind of where I got the Orioles a little bit higher in the AL playoff field. I'm presuming and projecting Grayson Rodriguez is essentially the best pitcher Best starting pitcher in the AL right now. Uh BJ, I don't I don't know if you have Grayson rated quite that high or if you're baking more of his earlier sample, but he did get to that point by the end of the year for me.
2: Yeah. So typically about this point in the season, I try to do from essentially second half on and not take into account. I mean, you can take into account what people have done early on in the season, but I agree. I mean, I don't, I'm not as high as you know, top three pitcher in the AL, um, but I'm definitely very, very high on them to the point where. I do believe that they have a good matchup here coming up against the Rays. I actually do like the Astros to get out of the AL here. I've placed a future on them now at around a little over five to one to win the World Series. You look at Pocota and Fangraphs, both of them obviously are in love with the Astros and they have them, you know, compositely around 17% uh, between them, between the two of them. So I think you're getting a little bit of value on the Astros. The thing is, you know, Obviously, the Asheville's bullpen hasn't been that good over the second half of the season, but their stuff plus numbers and the talent that they have in that bullpen is elite. And then you look at their starting pitching. It is a question mark with Fran Burr, who's you know, obviously hasn't pitched very well. Christian, uh, Christian Javier pitching better as of late is a very encouraging sign for them. Uh, so that's the question mark, but this Astros offense, I mean, I believe they're number one in baseball over the last 30 days, and waited on base average, like this lineup just hits for days. So, um, comparatively when you, they go up against the blue Jays or the twins, they're going to have advantages offensively. Can that outweigh their starting pitching? I do believe so. And then if they eventually do face the Orioles, they will have advantages in both offensively starting pitching. And then, you know, the bullpens essentially a wash. So, um, I do like the Astros to, to, to win the AL and get to the world series, um, which I was looking at the uh World Series market again, a repeat of last year is 22 to one, which is interesting. So say the least. So uh yeah, the Orioles, that's just like they were average against varieties all season long. Like their bullpen without their best arm just isn't as frightening. And then like Anthony already mentioned with their starting rotation outside of Grayson Rodriguez, there's a lot of question marks. So um yeah, I'm, I'm not looking to just absolutely fade the Orioles any chance I get, um, but I'm not just really high on them to, you know, win the world series.
1: Pitching plus ratings in the second half. Number one, Zach Wheeler, 112 tied with Nick Bavetta. Surprisingly, Grayson Rodriguez, oh, yeah. third, 111 pitching plus Brandon Wooder, fourth, Bobby Miller, fifth, Tyler Glasnow, seventh, Corbin Burns, ninth, Spencer Schreider, 11th, Ryan Pepio 14th, Pablo Lopez, 19th, Zach Allen, twenty. So those are your, playoff starters you'll see in the next couple weeks who finish in the top 20 and stuff plus or pitching plus i should say in the second half grayson rodriguez folks 126 stuff plus that ranked fifth or sixth and uh his teammate by the way kyle bradish 130 he was fourth so bradish and rodriguez don't overlook those two but yeah kramer and uh means and jack Flaherty, it gets a little sketchy at the back end of the orioles rotation but Looking around at the playoffs, folks, it gets sketchy at the back end around a lot of these rotations. So I, I just think with the amount of pitching injuries we had this year across the league, I'm tending to trust the offensive teams a little bit more come playoff time, and that would mean the Braves, the Astros, the Orioles, the teams who have mashed largely in the second half throughout the year. Anthony, any final thoughts before we close the show
3: up? Yeah, Minnesota.
2: Minnesota! Uh,
3: I think that we have you know, we've lambasted the central for the years and I have bet against this, this league and, and those divisions, but uh, you talk about pitching depth and versatility, like the way Baldelli can play his cards in a potential five game series with Houston. It's going to be really hard with Maeda potentially, you know, waiting in a game one and then they could throw, you know, they used him three and a third out of the bullpen the other day. So I think they're kind of getting him ready for that fireman role. We saw Chris Paddock pitch two innings out of the bullpen, touching a hundred, so they have these guys Bailey Ober if they need somebody to throw strikes and throw like a weird deception angle at people. Louis Varlin, like you mentioned, like this twins team is my team to ride. I said on last Tuesday's show on payoff pitch, if you want to bet Houston to win the American league, now's the time to do it. They went and stole the division. Now there's really no value left in betting Houston because they went from, you know, having to play this roulette series against Minnesota to now being the favorite because they're the two seed. I still think we're going to get a Minnesota Houston series and a best of five, even with Houston having the better lineup, I still think Minnesota is going to be in that mix there because of their pitching advantages. Framber and Javier are not pitching at the same level that they were last year. I know Javier's pitched better, but he's still not at the same level that he was last year. Uh, neither is Framber, and even Verlander is not as dominant heading into the playoffs. I and mean, we know his playoff struggles as well. So Houston in a long series, I think, is has has the depth, and the Twins do too, to beat the Orioles. And thus, I think Minnesota 8-1, to to win the American League is going to be my uh, my American League ticket, and I'm going to ride with the Phils in the National League uh, as a homer. And uh, I hope you know that would be a hell of a World Series. But uh, Minnesota's maybe not the most sexy team because everybody's rooting for Baltimore, or the Houston Juggernaut, or, or uh, I know a lot of people have Jays futures, but I think Minnesota's flying under the radar, and now they'll be out in three days since I said that.
1: Yeah, I have Jays, Rays, and O's futures, and I think if I'm going to add any team, it's probably. I mean, the Twins were the long shot on the list of teams that I showed value on. And I think that would be the one team I would add just to get essentially a guaranteed ticket against Houston in the DS with either uh, the Jays or the Twins being alive, you know, having an AL pennant ticket alive against the Astros, I think would be enticing. Uh, so yes, the Twins, I agree with Anthony. I think that's the one longer shot value team that I would consider investing in. I think the Phillies around plus seven to one to win the NL plus 675. I think that is a fine bet as well. BJ gave out, some bets that he likes to and we will be back tomorrow to break down tuesday's four wildcard matchups we'll be back on wednesday and every other weekday throughout the major league baseball playoffs for anthony Dubundo, for bj cunningham i'm sean zarillo get those futures bets in we'll see you back here on tuesday to break down the four game ones
0: look at this crowd on its feet what a tribute no one wants to leave